So what are we going to talk about? Well, I got I got this run here in front of me, and uh, I I think you misunderstood what I meant when I when I said that I wanted to talk about the TV deal because I don't really want to talk about the TV deal. Okay. Um, I, I, don't, I don't care if we doubled that on some shit, Eddie. No, uh, the, the, my reference is more so in reference to the talent roster and what it's going to do to the talent roster. <clears throat> not not so much what it's going to oh, do okay. to the company. Gotcha. That's, that's, yeah, because I, I want to talk about, like, you know, like, because everyone's like, oh, our numbers are going to suck. That's embarrassing. You know, but people don't really realize that. Dude, they're, they're they're drawing the same viewership on Fox right now, for 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 a, a random specific show. It's the, the problem is they're looking at the ratings for the Fox shows and they're seeing that point eight, and they're not realizing that there's a difference between OTA ratings. And I don't cable even think ratings. people are even looking at that Fox thing. They're just saying, well, WWE gets this on cable. What are they going to get? You know, it's not like they're a shit they're, they're, more. I know they're not realizing that their their pool that they can that they're drawing from is going to I uh, fuck I mean, how many like times 10 oh yeah cause that's that's an over the air signal that's a, that's a completely different right. ball of worms and and, and and you know it's another thing too I mean wrestling is a traditional I guess if I'm Monday I come up with a way to say this it, I don't want to say you know it's like like the lowest class but it has the tendency to cater towards you know, that simpler kind of being. Yeah. Yeah. And those are your individuals who might not necessarily have cable. Well, and I mean, you know, the, the, the thing with WWE, and it, it, it's kind of the same thing with boxing and UFC, whatever. I, it's going back to the beginning of fucking time, going back to the Romans. I mean, they had the gladiators that they threw in the fucking arena and... There's just something about human nature that wants to watch two big guys just beat the shit out of one another. Yep. That's just, it's human nature. Even if it's a work. It's just human nature. That's just the way it is. Um, But yeah, I want to start with this uh, Biggie and Tupac thing. Did you watch any of that show? No. Oh, we're going to have fun with this. We're going to have fun with this. That entire story, I, I don't care about. Uh, the most interesting thing, did you have, did you listen to the locker room on Friday? Uh, no, I haven't. I didn't. I didn't know this. I haven't seen this anywhere else uh, until Ben mentioned it on the show. The actor from that show that was in the skit with the uh, fashion police and New Day. Yeah. Do you know he's the first name listed in that fucking steroid scandal? Uh huh. Yep. Yeah, Ben was talking about that. Yeah, when, when, when I, it says brawn on here, that's kind of where I wanted to go with that. But yeah, man, we're just going to kind of freeform this conversation, and wherever it goes, it goes. So yeah, why not? Fuck it. It's a shoot. All right, you ready? Yep. Sicker than your average 
stink pink gators. My Detroit players, Tim's for my hooligans in Brooklyn. Dead right, if the head right, Biggie there, and I. Papa been smooth since days of under rules. Never lose, never choose to. Bruce Cruz, who do something to us? Talk go through us. It is Saturday, March 3rd, 2018, and you are tuned into the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by TheGorillaPosition.com and presented by Hameen Media. You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Shoot us an email at HittingTheMarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo, but in the 919, they call me crazy. I'm joined, as always, alongside my tag team partner, Huckleberry Number 1, the biggie to my puffy, RBV, Rick, Welcome back to your show. It's good to be back in. It's you know it's a, a bit of a, a holiday for you and me. Uh, we're both we're sitting here recording. I know each of us have got our televisions on. We're both locked in on it. It is Duke in North Carolina, baby. Yeah, originally we were going to do a Muse and Notes edition of the show today, but we, we, we couldn't really come up with anything worth talking about. So we, we, we've, we've got a couple of topics here. We're watching Duke Carolina in real time as you listen to this recording. By the end of this episode, me and Rick are, God damn it, Alan, we're, we're, we're probably either going to be really, really happy or we're going to be crying ourselves to sleep because Duke really needs to win this game as far as uh, tournament implications go. I don't know how many of you are into the March Madness thing, but me and Rick, that, that's that's kind of what we do. Um, so I, I, I guess we're just going to kick things off, see where they go. And in the immortal words of Hulk Hogan, it's a shoot, brother. So I, I, I guess we'll start with this. Uh, I, I I was watching SmackDown and uh, got done with SmackDown and it started bleeding into that unsolved Biggie and Tupac show where they're, they're, they're kind of investigating the murder of Biggie Smalls and Tupac Shakur. Rick, you look like you're a real hip hop aficionado. Oh, you, you know me, man. You know, uh, we throw it down here at Ohio. Uh, I, I, I'm sure that you don't really give a rat's ass. So I'm guessing that you did not watch this show. Uh, I did not. I, w- I will say probably um, the most I'm going to be able to add to this conversation. I did think this was one of the more entertaining parts of SmackDown when they did the little cross promotion. Uh, I know a lot of you know a lot of people over on the Hami Media Group dis- uh, live discussion were kind of questioning, "Oh, why is this in here?" And, you know, come on. At, by this point, we had to get used to this product crossover, and I thought it was kind of entertaining. Well, see, I'm, I'm going to approach this from a little bit different aspect here, right? So this, this unsolved Biggie and Tupac thing comes on right after SmackDown. In the, in the Eastern time zone, it would be the 10 o'clock time slot. Central time zone, it's the 9 o'clock time slot. And I, I'm watching this show because, as some of you may have guessed, I'm the hip-hop fan when it comes to this show. And so I'm intrigued by the story. And dude, I kid you not, six minutes into this show, they're dropping shit bombs. They're dropping fuck bombs. Yeah, on the USA I, I, Network. Well, I knew that. USA approved a while ago the use of uh, the F word. I, I, I understand that. But it's just, and, and I mean, it is not uh, indiscriminately used on this show. I mean, in this first episode, I think I probably heard like four F bombs. You know, but it's like after watching SmackDown and such a G-rated show as SmackDown, and then to have that lead into this show, 
Like I'm amazed that they let, that they let Roman Reigns call Brock Lesnar a bitch on Raw the other night. Well, yeah, you gotta go back. You know what I was talking about? You know they did that little cross promotion. That is probably you know if you know what you're saying is they went to you know the extremes with vulgarity there, and then in the first hour of your you know your kid friendly PG SmackDown, you're prom- promoting this. Right. It was, it seemed very, very odd to me, but then, you know, of course, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about everything in the, in in a Fox kind of mindset. Now think of some of the edgy programming that they put on Fox nowadays and this WWE PG shit. I'm just not sure that it's really going to fly when you get to that mainstream well, audience that's my fear let's, here. let's really think about what what we have with wwe and their pg movement uh yes it is a within the company initiative uh but it, but it is there it's not there out of the goodness of their heart to to truly reach the children of the wwe universe to, to make sure there is a safe place that they can enjoy themselves there I mean, you know, outside of the language, the vulgarity, I mean, it's professional wrestling. It is based around violence. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's you, just, you can, it's, I, I know, but, you know, what, essentially what I'm getting at here, this isn't some grand gesture by WWE. You know, it's like so many of their other causes that, that we see going on. You know, it's like the women's evolution. There's underlining tones there. And, that, and the major one is, is, is about bringing in the green. Who is paying them to do what? If Fox is, yes, we're going to give you this money. We're going to give you this time slot, but we need a bit more edginess out of your product. We're going to get a bit more edginess out of that product. Yeah. I just, I I feel like it's kind of time to turn it up a little bit because it's, it's gotten to the point where it's so PG that it just turns you off, you know? And I think, you know, there are some other factors that we need to look at you know, to take into consideration here. And it's just not, you always hear, well, they're targeting kids and they're publicly traded. Those, I mean, those are big deals. That is correct. But you know, that doesn't really handcuff them to what they are now. I mean, I can turn on cartoon network or Disney channel and I see more compelling, more edgy storylines going on there where they're pressing societal issues on, 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 you know, either of those platforms. It's just WWE tries to stay away from that. They're just trying to keep that squeaky clean image right now. And, USA and Universal are are letting them are letting them go that route. You know, Fox might want something else. We also have to take consideration that it's just not the Fox deal here in North America. With them ever growing and expanding uh, around the world, we have to take into other cultures' values as well of what's permittable and what's acceptable. You know, through their lines of entertainment. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. I, they're, if they're looking to expand, especially into India, I don't know how many of you have ever watched a Bollywood movie, but uh, WWE would probably be pretty hardcore over there right now. Uh, speaking of hardcore, let's uh, let's talk about your boy Sammy Callahan here. Uh, it, it, we, we talked about PG. Here's something that's not PG. Uh, did you see the promo that Sammy cut on this uh, for for the TMZ I thing? I, I did check that out. Sammy got himself worked into a shoot here. Well, I, I you know, immediately from air when this thing aired, and I know you were hot on this, brother. Dude, I was on this thing at the beginning of December, and everybody was like, "What's the big fucking deal, man?" 
I don't see what the big deal is. There's no story here. What's a big fucking deal? Now that everybody's seen it, everybody's like, holy shit! Just losing their minds. I guess the visual there, you know, just really was an awakening for for fans out there. Uh, You know, when this thing first broke, you know, I I was lucky enough to talk to Ben Hamid about this thing and, and kind of pick his brain. You know, some of the questions I had, you know, is... You know, will there be heat on Sammy here? Now, what's the feeling in that locker room? And Sammy is someone that Ben has worked with before in the past. Right. Uh, I, I believe it was up in 2CW, and I'm, and I'm sure they've crossed paths uh, in, in a handful of other promotions with those two working a variety uh, of shows throughout the Northeast up there. And, you know, he, he assured me then that, you know, Sammy is someone that is very beloved in the locker room. Well, he, Sammy has always, from everything that I've ever heard about Sammy Callahan, he is the consummate professional. Uh, even when he left NXT, it sounded like him and Hunter just came to an agreement. Hey, man, this is a bad time. I, I came in in a bad time. I've got all these other guys coming in over the top of me, and I don't want to wait. Just let me go. I'll go back on the indies, and maybe we'll, our paths will cross again. Like He seems like a very reasonable dude. Well, and he's a guy that... I actually, you know, I always talk about how great it was growing up in Southern Ohio because we had all these promotions and all these great talents that were coming there to develop their craft. And Sammy Callahan was one of them. Uh, I seen this guy when he broke into the business in the HWA. And to see where he where he began to where he is now, I mean, just the evolution, it is incredible. And, and that came through hard work and dedication and, you know, perseverance and not giving up. And taking this business serious, he, he he knows what it takes to get to the top. You know, he's not about you know the grab dick games and taking those easy shortcuts. He puts in that work and that effort. Uh, and I think now that we're, we're we've seen this through, you know, he's now that this thing has taken taken life of its own. You've got other personalities jumping in, uh, Jim Cornette, Chris Hero. You know, they're commenting on this. Hey, and Sammy's sticking to his guns. He's turning this thing into a work, and it's and it's working for him. Uh, so it, one good thing that has come out of this impact viewership spiked out of this thing. Uh, they drew three hundred and forty five thousand this week, which is a pretty good number for them. Um, as you said, uh, Jim Cornette has chimed in, and Chris Hero, Cassius Ono, whatever you want to call him. Uh, so evidently what happened was originally TMZ reached out to Eddie Edwards for a comment on this thing. And so then Sammy Callahan went on YouTube, cut his promo. Uh, but when I saw the cut, it, it came from TMZ. TMZ had, had also released it. And then he tells off Jim Cornette at the end of it. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, when, when I had first heard about this spot, and we heard that there was a chair involved and, and something missed and it was a spot gone terribly wrong. I was kind of envisioning it, you know, that spot that evil does over in Japan where he takes the dude's head and like puts it in the inside of the chair and then like rams him into the turnbuckle, except he was going to hit it with a baseball bat. And, you know, it, some, something went wrong and he hit him in the face with the bat. This is completely different. This is Eddie's like laying on his back. The chair is like on his chest for one reason or another. Eddie Edwards is holding the chair on his chest. And it's like Callahan just like swung through the chair. 
Like, did he think that the, the bat was like going to bounce off the chair? Like it, that's kind of what it looked like. Yeah, to I, me. I, I don't know if it if it was maybe a stunt that wasn't as well thought out as it should have been. Uh, it just, just it looked really clunky. Something in the moment. I think the you know I think the biggest argument against anything that happened it's not against the talent. And you know as I said when this originally happened I, I had the chance to talk with Ben Hamid about it and and even Cornette brought it up in his tweet. You know any heat that's going on right now it's on management. It's it's yeah. for them putting them in this spot or even allowing a spot like this to happen. And I had asked Ben at the time, and I said, I said, even heat for two very well respected individuals, uh, such as Cyrus and coach. And he said, once you cross that threshold and you become management, yes, that heat is there on you. Uh, so I guess let's, let's look at the Jim Cornette aspect of this. Jim Cornette had to, uh, chime in about the uh the the stupid fuck who who set it up shoddy and was careless with his shitty swing that they shouldn't have been doing this spot and then uh callahan responds with uh this hurts jimmy i'll just keep watching my bank account go up which is absolutely just sammy callahan in character uh but then cassius oh no chris hero whatever you want to call him he starts chiming in and, you know, I, I've got a lot of respect for Chris Hero, man. I mean, if anybody has been around this independent scene and across the world as an independent professional wrestler, it's Chris Hero. I, this guy's been around forever. And then he comes back with this tweet that says, really? Really? There is zero correlation between how much money you make and what happened in that ring. You should be embarrassed, ashamed. That, now, coming from Chris Hero, man, those feel like some heavy fucking words that I'm sure hit Sammy Callahan pretty good. Uh, I, I think this is more of the work. Do you? Uh, I actually do. I, I think they're these two have uh, a, like a pass together. Uh, they they both are from here, uh, not where I currently am, but they are both from the southern. Well, Ohio. Hero's from he, Hero's yeah. from Dayton. They, right? they they have crossed paths plenty of times. Uh, I don't know what their personal relationship is. Uh, I, you know, I don't know if it's a, uh, they might, they might absolutely hate each other. Hey man, they're around each other. Let's go get a drink. Uh, I, I know their paths have, cl- have, have crossed before. I, I've seen them on the same shows. Uh, I, I think that if there's anything here, and that's why I'm going to say, I've got to bet somewhere along the line, Sammy has had some training from hero. So you think Sammy reached out to hero and was like, dude, no. I just want you to bury no. you. like, well, cause I, I mean, it's good. It's good business for Sammy Callahan to get buried by somebody at the WWE right now. I don't, I don't necessarily think there was any reaching out. I think it was hero um, himself just assessing the situation and having a little Calling bit of fun. In the ring. Yeah. I'll jump in there, man. I'll throw my name in that. Uh, I don't think, I, man, when I saw that come across from Chris hero, I mean, like I said, his, his words just hold gravitas to me when it comes to independent professional wrestling. I, to, to me, I think this is all part of the work. Uh, I, I don't think Cornette has anything to do with it. I think it's, this is another case of, uh, and you know, I am a big, uh, Cornette Mark. Uh, I really enjoy his takes. I enjoy his show. I find him highly entertaining. I don't agree with everything that, that he says that he does or even how he approaches some things. But, you know, nonetheless, it, it's always entertaining. And this is a case where he has, has caught something. He probably doesn't know any of the backs, the backstory after, you know, all the news that was 
that was leaked out following the actual incident. Now we're just some weeks later. He's seeing a terrible spot, which he is 100% correct. Should have never happened. Again, no, if the spot goes as planned, no one gives a crap. It's still a shitty looking spot, though, even if it goes as planned. Like, it just wasn't a good spot. It's, it's just one of those things. If it goes as planned, you know, no one's, we probably don't see a spike in viewership. Uh, and no one's even, we're not even sitting here talking about Impact Wrestling this week. Uh, yeah, that's true. But uh, but Cornette, well, sometimes he'll get a little run with something and just goes completely apeshit over it. That's what he does, though. That's who he is. That's how he makes his money. I guess the uh, other part of the equation here is uh, Eddie Edwards, and there seems to be some confusion. Um, Our boy William Alessia reported yesterday, and I believe his report came from uh, the Meltzer camp, that Eddie Edwards had re-signed with Impact Pro Wrestling. And then today I, I saw a couple of people talking about how they had heard that Eddie Edwards signed with NXT. Had you heard that anywhere? Uh, no, I, I had seen a few people online making the comment, questioning it. Uh, but then essentially I chalked it up to the people that I saw asking that are complete idiots. <laughs> so I just went went on and passed, took it, you know, in passing. Uh, I'm just gonna- Gosh, I just thought maybe I missed something. Like maybe I missed a report somewhere about Eddie Edwards. I just, I, you know, and I know a couple of years ago there was talk of Eddie Edwards and Davey Richards going to NXT as the Wolves, and instead they went to Impact. But I haven't heard anything that WWE was at all interested in Eddie Eddie Edwards at this time. No, I mean, there's nothing at this point with him there. Uh, If if there was, believe me, we would have seen this be blowing up all over the Internet. I I think you probably just saw a couple people passing in a couple of the of the chat groups. Uh, I saw the, the same few things. And these questions are coming from the same usual marks that are completely clueless uh, to, about to what's anything that's going on. Well, let's let's talk about being completely clueless as to what's going on. Let's talk about this John Bravo situation. What the fuck is going on, man? Because <clears throat> this guy just keeps coming out and saying, hey, I got big news coming. Well, when are, when the hell are you going to tell it to us? I mean, we've been waiting on this for... Good God, how long have we known about this story now? It's been a while. Yeah, I, and even from the get-go, I didn't. I don't know if I had that much interest in this thing because, I mean, with the timing of it all, it seems like, yeah, even if Roman had something going on here, this seems to fall in line with his suspension. I mean, it's all in the past. The company's moved on here. And, and then you got, you, know, you got this Bravo guy who he just seems to be just out, you know, just trolling for – for self-promotion. Yeah, that's very much what it feels like. So <clears throat> the report is, <clears throat> the report is now that we are holding out what we're going to do with Braun Strowman just in case the shit hits the fan with Roman Reigns. That's the reports that I'm hearing. Are, are, are you buying into this? That, that we're just, we're keeping Braun on the back burner, and that's why we did what we did at the Elimination Chamber to keep Braun Strowman strong, just in case we got to make this a triple threat or we got to do Braun versus Brock at WrestleMania. I know this is a, a popular, uh, I guess, speculative rumor amongst Feels the Feels very sheep. conspiracy horseman to me. Yeah, it, well, to me, it just seems like a, an easy 
an easy try to connect the dot strategy. Oh, this is this happened. So this takes us over here to this dot. Uh, so then over to here, you know, to me, the, the what happened at the chamber to me is nothing more than trying to protect Roman. As crazy as it sounds, you know, having his having him get his ass whooped is protecting him. Oh yeah, having because him getting booed out of the building sure as shit is right. It? Right. That's what yeah. they're doing there. They're they're protecting him there. And, you know, it gives Braun, it, it keeps Braun hot. He gets the rub. He got the rub in the match. You know, he is the dominant force going through. He's what you remember when you walk away from it. And this thing where, where Braun is actually in limbo right now, hey, he's a difficult He's a difficult guy to book, especially as a baby. Because, you know, they don't have a surplus of other big monsters to keep rolling out there at him. Never should have turned Braun. I think the, the issue is... They just don't know what the hell to do with him. And, and I guess at this, at, really at this point, I don't know. And maybe you can, you can help me out here. Anyone listening can drop us a line. At this point, you know, you're really scratching your head for a legitimate opponent for him at Mania. You had it with Elias, but you've gone ahead and shit the bed with that by having him repeatedly uh, just beat the Braun, getting his hands on him and, and beating the crap out of him. You know, it would have been a nice story if Elias, you know, you and I have talked about it, if Elias could have been that guy that Braun oh, couldn't that get to. Oh, that would have been great. Well, at this, at this point, I, it would have to be a real quick build, but I think it would be effective, would be Samoa Joe. Yeah. Uh, the question is, is Joe good to go? That's my question for you. I, I haven't heard um, anything, heard or read where he's at. In his rehab, how close is he? Uh, I saw an update just earlier today that he was teasing a return on Twitter. But that's like today is the first that I have heard about Joe in a while outside of Joe's doing comic books. Which, of course, we don't report on because that's just not interesting to me. uh, Yeah, I actually, you know what? The only comic book thing related to him that I actually saw is... Uh, his updated Twitter <laughs> uh, profile picture. There you go. Uh, so supposedly, supposedly, speaking of things that we're waiting for, we are we are getting a Bailey documentary. Now, when I read this report, my immediate thought was, why in the fuck would we be putting out a Bailey documentary, especially at this point in her career? I mean, everybody agrees that. WWE had literally the goose that lays the golden egg and they shot it in the head. Like they, they just decapitated this poor goose. Why would we do a Bailey documentary now? It sounds like they've just decided that they were going to do a Bailey documentary. So this tells me that this Sasha versus Bailey thing, we're filming the whole thing for this documentary. That's what's going on here, which for people like Jersey Mike is a good thing because that keeps both Bailey and Sasha relevant for at least, you know, the next three, four months while we film this documentary. Well, and I think, you know, there's a actually um, Jersey Mike had posted over in the Hummy Media discussion group uh, about this very topic. You know, he was interested in, in knowing exactly how many of, of our great members in the group would be interested in a Bailey heel turn. 
And I guess this is something, you know, I, I've seen it. I haven't given it much attention. I've seen it in other, in other, on message boards, in discuss groups, wherever it may be. I, I've seen this idea thrown out there to me. Uh, to me, it's just completely asinine. I completely agree. And I, and I know, completely agree. And it's just one of those things. And when you even ask people for to give you some sort of logical reasoning, well, it's something different. And it, oh, I almost, I'm almost at a point where if I hear it's something different from someone, I want to punch them in the freaking face. Well, here's the thing. I mean, because right? there's no logic behind it. Here's where I am with it. I'm not necessarily opposed to a Bailey heel turn. All right. But I'll tell you what, we can't do the Bailey heel turn until after September of 2019. Because the Bailey heel turn is something you do at the beginning of a new TV contract. You don't do it at the end of a TV contract when you're negotiating a new TV contract. When you know Bailey can play the underdog babyface, you know Sasha can play the evil bitch heel, and you need good television. You just put out the good television. You don't, oh, well, let's take a shot at this. No, you need ratings, and you need them now. I don't even necessarily know if that's the right time. I, I don't even, first of all, if there is a good time, it's after you actually reestablish what is so great about the character. There are still legs under this lovable, huggable, everyone get behind, uh, you know, average Jane Bailey. And she fits the mold perfectly of the character. And then, on, you know, on the flip side, and then you've got this, you've got this documentary coming out. It's going to be about her life, and her life is true to that character, how she came up. You know, she came up with the brothers that were all into wrestling. Instead of just being the, you know, the sister left on the sideline, she jumped in the game with them. She was there, you know, acting out, you know, what they saw on television, living the lives of their favorite superstars right there in their living room. She was all about that. That's who she was. You know, and honestly, this was one of the dreams that she had. And they've used that in her character, and it works well with her. Reestablish that, and and she can actually be a great beacon for your bullshit evolution to actually attract these young girls, to give them actually someone that they can look up to. Bailey is an average Jane, and she's doing these amazing things for your company. You just That's, hit it. Well, and it, well, that's a story you tell with your documentary. Then, well, and here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. All right, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that if you are listening to this show right now, you are between the ages of 18 and 39, and you're probably a white male. I'm I'm willing to bet probably 90 percent of our demo. That's who's listening to this show right now. Guess who the Bailey character is intended for? My four-year-old. My 11-year-old. My 14-year-old. All daughters. That's who the Bailey character is intended for. Not the male 18 to 49 demographic. They don't give a shit if we think Bailey's interesting. They want to know that if I take my four-year-old to a show, she's leaving with a Bailey t-shirt because my four-year-old still loves Bailey and doesn't give a shit if Jersey Mike likes her or not. That's the reality of the Bailey character right now. 
we're trying to make her appealing for males 18 to 49, and that's not the target demo well, here. Well, that's where it needs to be. And it's not like you, and it's not like when you build Bailey in that direction, you're alienating that 18 to 39 male group. Because like you like you said, are you, uh, I'm not knocking to hear, bro, we're the same age, although you're on the back end of that group. It still means something to you because you can. It's something that you can share with your family. You can Absolutely. share with your daughters. It's something that you're that you can sit down and you're okay with with them watching. That you're proud that they can find uh, a bit of a role model of sorts. And when Bailey's music comes on, Quinn starts dancing. When Charlotte's music comes on, she starts walking around like she's the queen. That's who WWE is after with this women's revolution, not us. This isn't about us. They're trying to get them. Well, it can mean nothing. Like I said, you know, it means something to the parents. Uh, even for uh, you know the other demo for for young boys, you know, it does actually show if if you really want to hammer home some great points with your evolution, it actually shows. Hey guys, look at these girls, man. They could do it. They they could be right there with you. You know. It, it kind of it, it sets aside some of those sexist stereotypes. Yep. It, it can be for everyone. Now, the stuff with just, uh, you got to, and we do need some villains there. So, anyway, we go back to the documentary. Uh, so, we're going to have this great documentary that's going to rally people behind uh, the lovable, huggable Bailey. Oh, yeah, that's genius. Let's go ahead and make everyone hate her on television. Exactly. Now is not real, the real, time to turn Bailey real heel. Bright, real bright, guys. And going back now to, is not the time. And then going back to you know your one of your original points here, but Bailey is proven that she can work this this character. It is her. So if she goes heel, on the flip side, you know the the reverse effect of that is that Sasha has to be the hero. Yeah, well, the we lovable, know bubbly baby face. Where we really? know where we know that she is absolutely terrible at that. It's not even in her personality. We're getting all these reports and rumors coming out. That she is an absolute terrible, terrible bitch. Did, did you see this story that, that, that Sasha wants to go through tables? Did you see that story? I, I, once again, to me, you know, this goes back to like when she was on the Stone Cold podcast. <laughs> this is the worst case of absolute pandering to dot, dot, dive geeks that I've ever heard. Man, you know what I thought when I saw that? My my immediate first thought was Charlotte tried to put you through a table and you bounced off because you weren't heavy enough to go through the goddamn thing. Eat a cheeseburger, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that was my first thought. Maybe if you eat a cheeseburger, you'd actually go through the table. <laughs> my God. Come yeah, on. I, I, this hey, whole, it's a shoot, ladies and gentlemen. It's a shoot. This this whole thing with her. No, let's go. I, I believe me, man. She's getting right up there with Nia Jax with me. I almost just wish she would go away. Oh, I love Sasha to death as a character, but the the the, the individual I, I that's performing the Sasha Banks character right now is just uh She's she's slowly turning into Eddie Guerrero. I no, and it, please don't say that. In any no, way. no, I'm saying no, and I'm saying that in the respect of all the reports that you heard about Eddie Guerrero backstage towards the end of his life, Eddie was just beat up, like he didn't know when to stop. Well, I, no, I, I don't think that's anything. I, see, I still don't see the comparison. 
I think I, I, I didn't Sasha mean this. In, I didn't mean this in a complimentary way. Take all the bad things about Eddie Guerrero, and that's what Sasha Banks is turning into. Uh, right I now. still think that even that, that it's above Sasha. Uh, my biggest my biggest problem with her is she takes she approaches her craft not as a worker but as a mark, not even a mark. And I, I try to to watch my language on either you know here at the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast or over in the locker room with the Hamid Media Group. But, you know, it's just not a mark, a fucking mark. Did you see this story? I, I don't remember. Was it Cornette that came out with this story that some of them women are only making 45 grand a year because they're still on NXT contracts? I, I Yeah, it was him talking about it. I can't remember the exact details. I listened to that. I think that was last week's. I think it was on last week's drive through. Uh, Corny's drive through. That might be something to look into a bit more. I'm I'm very curious of as to the accuracy of, of it, those it, numbers. This came from a third party, uh, and this is when he was really hot on NXT losing all that money, which you know again we oh, you kind of you, you kind of exposed as sure on the very surface, but let's dig a little deeper into an issue. Again, it's one of those situations where where Corny maybe gets like you know that top layer of soil but he doesn't dig any further to actually get to the root and he yeah. just goes off running at it and, you know his and it was pretty entertaining you know with the nxt stuff because you know going back to ovw he's like i wish they just would have told me to do whatever the hell i want and <laughs> don't waste under fucking 30 million well i wish i'm sure that he wishes they would have brought in guys like shinsuke nakamura and let him run around with them for a year while they were paying him main roster money well, hey, to be no, to I, be in developmental. Well, let's let's look at let's look back at some of the names that he had. Well, yeah, some but sp- when you look at those names now versus those names then, I'm sure John Cena wasn't making a hundred million dollars a year when he was in OVW. Yeah, all those guys had straight development deals. Right. It wasn't. Hey, we know you're you're red and blue bound. We're going right. to steal you. Out. You're going to sit here for a little bit, but don't worry. You're going to be making the two hundred. Three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, John John Cena hadn't headlined Wrestle Kingdom like the last three years, you know, before he was sent to OVW. You know, what are you I, I, I think there's. Are you saying that the the King of Strong Style came in with more hype than the prototype? <laughs> you know what? The but the worst part <laughs> is, is John Cena's debut was probably more memorable than Shinsuke Nakamura's. Like, do you remember Shinsuke Nakamura's debut? Oh, on um, where at for which which brand? For for NXT. Wasn't it just with Sammy? Yeah, okay, okay. So you do remember that. Do you remember John Cena's debut? Yeah, he answered uh the challenge. Yeah. How long ago was that? Like in how many years? Like in a decade are we going to remember? Oh yeah, Shinsuke Nakamura's American debut was against Sami Zayn. You know, no, but we're going to remember ruthless aggression. Well, it- Okay, but ruthless. I mean, that was on SmackDown, though. That's that bigger scale. There isn't going to be very many that remember what he did in his, you know, first in his run in OVW, which I guess would be a little bit more comparable to. I guess it's hard to say because you know, NXT does have that outlet. Even, but I, I'm on your side here. We'll remember on SmackDown ruthless aggression. I'm not I, sure that we'll remember Nakamura versus Zayn in a decade. Well, I can't. I'm going to say, you know, it was more of a comparison how they both debuted on SmackDown. 
it was only a couple of years ago, and uh, for the life of me, I can't remember how Nakamura debuted. Was it just a vignette? <laughs> oh, was that a pay-per-view, right? Yeah, it was at Backlash. Dolph Ziggler? Yeah. And, yep. and that, was a, that was a stab in the dark because that Dolph Ziggler is your... <laughs> yep, and they and and they let him go like you know fifty fifty for like seventeen minutes, and Shinsuke Nakamura was dead. That was pretty much it, because immediately everybody was like, "Oh, he's this big deal," and he comes out and he goes fifty fifty with Dolph Ziggler. Oh yeah, I'm real impressed by him now. Let well, me tell you, the only reason I, I even took you know I took a stab in the dark there that was Dolph Ziggler because, gatekeeper. Well, that's yeah, like when you move into a new neighborhood, and your neighbors bring you over a fruitcake. To welcome you, that's Dolph Ziggler. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, it kind of is. It hey. kind of is. Hey, welcome uh, welcome to SmackDown. Uh, we'll see you in the ring in a minute. Ty Dillinger will be waiting. <laughs> well, I guess this is about the middle of the show, so that tells me that it's about time for a cigarette, which also tells me that it is time to throw it over to our boy, Paul Arzola, for a very special this week in professional wrestling history, because Rick, you know what we're talking about this week? It's the goat's birthday. Happy birthday to the nature boy. Woo! Rick Flair, the precious Sharshar's daddy himself. This week's entirety of this week in pro wrestling is all about the nature boy, Rick Flair. Enjoy that. Then we're going to come out of a tune. We'll come back and we'll talk some more bullshit. We'll be right back. Go Duke. And now, this week in pro wrestling history with Paul Arzola. Hello, everybody, and welcome to This Week in Professional Wrestling History. Today, we are going to talk about the nature boy, Ric Flair. One of the most best, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, best professional wrestlers ever to grace the ring. You know, it's funny because people always talk about Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair, two of the greatest. I think Ric Flair, personally ring-wise and promo-wise is one of the better ones. If you go back and look at Ric Flair's body of work, it is awesome. It's amazing. His promos, bar none. He is, you know, the Rolex-wearing, limousine-riding, kiss-stealing, wheelie-dealing son of a gun. And he lived that gimmick no matter what. If you look at a lot of his matches, and I think two of his matches come to mind, and that is the Royal Rumble 1992, where he gave one of the best promos ever. And that was the, with the tear in my eye, this is the greatest day of my life. But also look at some of his early NWA WCW days, his feuds with Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, Dusty Rhodes, Kerry Von Erich, anybody you can think of. This man traveled the world 
and just he owned every place that he went to and it was amazing this man went to the wwe as the real real world's champion and he owned that gimmick too which was a completely amazing he went back to wcw he just he shined it was awesome i think whenever he retired from the wwe that was one of the saddest days in a lot of professional wrestling fans minds the match at wrestlemania 24 is still it always brings a tear to my eye the whole i'm sorry i love you from Shawn michaels and the super kick and the one two three that is that is real emotion and that is what rick flair did he brought out that emotion after he retired from wwe he went to tna and one of the most i guess best little feuds that he had was with jay lethal and the whole rick flair face off that they had that was totally amazing with the Jay Lethal doing, he did the uh, Black Machismo gimmick before, and then he was emulating Ric Flair. Totally amazing. You know, and the reason why I'm bringing Ric Flair up is because this past week, or this week, was his birthday. You know, this man's been through a lot. A plane crash that broke his back. You know, recently just got out of the hospital and everything. You know, this man completely has done a lot for this business. That is why I believe, and in a lot of people's minds, he is one of the greatest, if not the greatest. Uh, This is This Week in Professional Wrestling History, and you can follow me on Twitter at LoneWolfPMA and on Facebook. Thank you very much. Uh, Your journey from Earth to Planet Pure has been successful. When exiting this aircraft, a speedo-mobile will be assigned to you. Let me hear you talking, I'm so far away. Let me hear a single word that you say. But I care, I'll just matter my dinero All I gotta say You think you hot, lit, bitch, I'm Javiero Identical, bustin', I mimic, no fucking bug I'm crushing like tentacles, suckers be huffing and puffing Cause I'm touching my pinnacle, cussing my minutes slow Now they women are suckin' my genitals They fuck you so many gets the heat I got the remedy, all of my enemies feel like no many gets to feed No one if any be like an infinity, letting them have it I reckon I'm ravaged, attacking the travers Make the record a savage I popped them up in the sky, walk for nothing But taking you higher levels when I rock percussion I'm at the top of the list and I fly chop Discussion is fried hot on my block and I'm not the cousin the eye lock is sudden Whenever the people see me They cry lots of love And we hide notch the oven And my clocks are buzzing When you're done and you die Drop for dozen Can't get too close Cause I'm real My temperature make you feel Keep it lit up and I'm still I got no breaks and no chill Let me hear you talking I'm so far away 
Wealthy and not the pores that I've got not So I'm bringing the heat and I'm walking on agua Cause if I'm a penny pusher, they'd be like blah blah And never listen to see if you habanero So I'm stuck in the booth and I'm calling feral I'm sweating with every second of destined like I'm an arrow Aiming right at your chest if you effing with my dinero Get up! Nobody touching the Taganina If you feeling you can do better than you a dreamer I'm gonna live it giving critics the middle finger Bringing hella disaster, ain't nobody no fema Welcome to my planet, we damage and we can chop Killers with the advantage, we manage to be the top Competitors ain't no better cause we the head of the flock We make the planet rock Damn it, I make the granite drop and it stops. Can't get too close cause I'm real. My temperature make you feel. Keep it lit up and I'm still. I got no breaks and no chill. Never hear you talking, I'm so far away. Never hear a single word that you say. Feel like y'all just mad at my dinero All I gotta say You think you hot, lit, 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 lit. Bitch, I'm Javiero Welcome to Planet So we're back for segment two Stir up some more bullshit to talk about here While we watch the second half of the game You always had a question for you What's that? Why do we have segments? Why do we have segments? Why not? Doesn't every show have segments? No, I I, get, I don't think that any show that I listen to has segments. I think it's all just so I can get my own musical taste over. Okay, I think that's what it is. Oh, uh, hey, how was that? Uh, didn't you open up like a a spot for music for the Hameen Media Group? Yeah, I, we we have a Spotify now. I'm not exactly sure how to tell people to find it though, because the link for it is like really really long. Um, but if you go to the 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 Hameen Media Discussion Group. I do have a, uh, a Hameen Media <clears throat> playlist now that features the music heard here on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast as well as the Hacker Hameen Media platform. Do you have that over listed as an announcement? I, I, I do like that little feature uh, that they've added in where you can do the announcement so that just a normal thread doesn't get lost kind of in the shuffle. I don't, but I will. I will. It, I will do it, that. It'd be nice to kind of keep it up there where, you know, people can actually, you know, locate it through all of Will's uh, TMZ and um, fuck Wrestle Zone. Holy cow, yeah. man. That dude loves his UFC. Yeah, I, I keep telling him, you know, it's, it's something we always, you know, kind of a running joke. You know, if you head on over, you know, on Facebook and join the, the Hameen Media Discussion Group. You know, one of our, our great admins over there, William Alicia, Alicia, you know, he pretty much, he keeps you up to speed on about everything that you need to know that's going on in the world of professional wrestling and beyond. I mean, he every, keeps you up to date on everything you don't need to yes. know about the world of professional yes. wrestling. And if you beyond. don't, if, if things that you didn't think you wanted to know, uh, there is no reason to even go to the other dirt sheets. Uh, I don't know how he finds this shit. Like, how did he find Alistair Black's cat's Instagram? I, I, I absolutely don't know. Uh, sometimes it's a bit mind-boggling where he's pulling news from and the things that he is sharing. Uh, I, I'm glad that he is on our team, but I regularly tell him, dude, you need to go find a paying position with one of these sheets to do this. 
I'm telling I think he works for the Russians. I think he works for the Russians. Putin 2018. Uh, so let's uh, let, let's talk about something that's not nearly as terrifying as Vladimir Putin, uh, and that being Kenny Omega and Cody. Don't call him Rhodes, uh, Rick. I, I I actually wanted to to ask you: Are you sold on the Honor Club yet? The countdown is on. I I, 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 mean, I, I you know what? I look at it every day. I, I know, I, man. I weigh out all the reasons. I talk myself into it every day. But then I get that other that other little guy that pops on the other shoulder at that last minute. It's like, well, come on, come on. you Just wait. There's probably something else you could do with that 120 right now. You know, but then I think about uh, it, and it's hey, like, the, the I know I'm going to want is ticking I want to see it. It's going to be uh it's going to be a do you know do or die time come next Friday. Yeah, because I know I want to see 16th anniversary because I've got to see the Golden Lovers versus the Young Bucks. And then I know I'm going to have to see Supercard of Honor, and by the time I buy the two of them on pay-per-view, I might as well have just bought fucking Honor Club. It will it's right? one of those, yeah, it's one of those things where you don't want to like do one of these smaller payment plans. And then realize like, oh shit, I love there's not like a an upgrade once you get in there, is there? <laughs> not that I know of. You Man, know? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be nice? Like, you know, get in at this package, but then if you really decide to, you know what, we'll still give you the discount if you upgrade within thirty days or something like that. I'm not sure what makes me more sick. The fact that North Carolina is up forty two to twenty nine or the fact that that the young bucks are going to be facing the golden lovers. I'm sick over this match, Rick. I don't know. I don't know how to feel. I don't know who to pull for. I don't know who the good guy and who the bad guy is. Even Kenny Omega comes out and says, as a friend, I'm not sure that I'm ready, but as a team, the golden lovers will be. Those numbers are just scaring you because they span, you know, there's three different sets of 10. When you got one in the twenties and then one in the forties, it's just, it's a visual that's gotcha. You know, now now we're up to 31. We're only down 11 now. And as soon as this goes in, which it didn't, so never mind. Uh, so we're still down 11. We're in striking distance. No worries. I think you need to go into this match with not really looking at it as who should you be rooting for. But it's almost, you know, just be excited for like that one of those great opening scenes to a movie or or, you know, a first chapter of a book that you know is going to be an absolute classic. How do you think this match is going to play out? You know, one of the things I really love about this this program, uh, that these guys, the story they've got going on, is that I have no idea, and that is what I think has me so captivated. You know what I almost want to see happen in this match? I almost want to see the Golden Lovers just pummel the Young Bucks. Like straight power. Just pummel the Young Bucks. And then have Kenny come back and be like, guys, I told you, you're not heavyweights. What do you think of that? Hmm. I, I, I could get with that. Have him just be like, you, you guys are the best junior heavyweight tag team in the world. The heavyweight division, you guys are just, you're, you're not physically heavyweights. 
just go be the best junior tag team in well, the world. And then I, you know what I could really see there. You know that plays into you know another dynamic with Cody coming back with. But what's he talking about? I believe in you guys. You are heavyweights. You know, I almost, I almost feel like that's what I want to have happen in this story. As much as I don't want to see the Golden Lovers just kick the shit out of the Young Bucks, I almost feel like that's kind of where this needs to start. I just don't know if they would go out there and do something like that. I, you know, they're going to want to get the stuff in. And instead of instead of Cody being this overzealous, you know, pushing you too far, Kenny becomes the voice of reason. Well, I think you know, but and that's where. Maybe you have the conflict, the internal conflict with the Bucks. Do is Kenny really being that voice of reason to us, or is he just being an asshole? Or you know, on the flip, is does Cody really believe that that we are ready, or is he just trying to manipulate us? I think that's the best story. I think that's the best story. And I think what's so hard to tell what kind of match we're going to get is because it's happening for Ring of Honor as opposed to New Japan. And and these four talents are four of the most versatile talents that you're going to see in any wrestling ring. I mean, you can they can go out and they could put on a mat classic or this might be comedy from the opening bell to the end. Well, it, it's it, what's so what's so hard to tell about it is we I mean we know how how drastically different the styles for these you know, especially anything with Bullet Club is, as opposed, you know, when it's in Ring of Honor, opposed to when it's in New Japan. The the I think the interesting part here is Kota Ibushi, because I, I I've seen Ibushi do a lot of character and comedy stuff, but Jesus, it's probably been five or six years ago. You know, when he was in DDT, I, I Ibushi has been all business since then. I mean, even. Outside of the ring, when it comes to his contract, Ibushi's all business. So I'm very interested to see how Ibushi plays into this mix that is the elite. Uh, Something else that kind of came across the news feed here just within the last couple of days. uh, We're expecting, of course, the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal uh, come WrestleMania. Now we're hearing of the fabulous Moolah. Battle Royal at WrestleMania. Rick, they are not this fucking stupid, well, are they? Not even, I know you've got the angle you want to go here. Who reported this? Uh, Brian Alvarez over at uh, The Observer. Uh, okay. Immediately when I read this headline, and you, you immediately, when you read it, you went to a different direction. I went to, they need to get over themselves. You've got to be kidding me. This is just, uh, hopefully this is just a shot in the dark rumor. That's being thrown out there. You know, if if they go forward with, I don't care what the name is, just the idea of the match. Absolutely disgusting to me. Oh, I I, I completely agree. I mean, we we saw it with the Royal Rumble. We've seen it now with the Elimination Chamber, to where there's only so many things that you can do inside. Like Alexa Bliss and The Miz, their big spots inside of the chamber were literally the same. Climbing up the chamber and running away. When it comes to a battle royal, a royal rumble, the elimination chamber, there's only so many goddamn things you can do here. Yes, it's great. Yes. you. 
your evo your women's evolution blah 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 they've already came out and let the cat out of the bag in a roundabout way this is all about buzzwords for them this is about historic and first time ever it's a company quality it's a company objective they've come out and said it in interviews we are booking things so that we can promote historic and first time ever. So they will throw anything that they potentially can against the wall that they can tag those terms along with it. The back effect on that is the things that you already have established that might have some meeting, you are completely devaluing. Yep, because it's, this seems like a charity case for people like Becky Lynch and Naomi and the Riot Squad to all get in on a match at WrestleMania. That's exactly what this is. There's other ways you can do that. You don't have to say, well, there's one for the men. We got to do one for the women. Right. It, this, this mindset of if a dick can do it, so can a vag. Has got to go. Yeah, this this false narrative of equality, doing it just to do it. No, couldn't you, I'm, uh, I'm completely opposed. Is there is there something else that you can do that would be unique for the women to let them stand out? I mean, God forbid you have to get off your ass and come up with something original or creative or even an al- at least an alternative. To what the that mirrors exactly what the men are doing. Yep, yep. Uh, as far as the other part of this goes, I rail on the WWE for doing the Warrior Award because the Ultimate Warrior was a terrible human being. Fabulous Moolah makes the Ultimate Warrior look like a fucking saint. I, I don't see any way that they attach Moolah's name to anything. They they very well may do a battle royal at WrestleMania. If they call it the Fabulous Moolah Battle Royal, that is a whole Pandora's box of shit that they do not want opened up. They called it the Mae Young Classic for a reason. Um, let's talk about something that's ab- actually pretty cool. Was, was it that Moolah? I, I, I've never really paid too much attention to this. Moolah was a pimp. That's a, Okay. Moolah was a pimp and, and turned the women wrestlers basically into literal whores, prostitutes, whatever you want to call them. That, that was the dig on Fabulous Moolah and why they went with Mae Young instead of Fabulous Moolah. If, if you want to read some stuff about Fabulous Moolah, get in touch with me and I'll direct you to the right places. But so yeah, so if you're just going to go with someone that did terrible things and honor them for it, uh, since you've already got the eighth wonder of the world, I mean, why not just go with the ninth wonder of the world memorial battle royal and name it after China? I would actually be okay with that. We're at forty six, forty one, ladies and gentlemen. Blue Devils on the comeback. Uh, forty six, so, forty three. Oh, see, you're ahead of me. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa. Let, let's talk about good old Tommaso Ciampa. Because uh, Ciampa, we, we've been talking a bit about working the dirt sheets. Did you see this tweet from Tommaso Ciampa about the t-shirts? I did. I absolutely love it. This is fantastic. So Tommaso Ciampa puts out on Twitter, 
at WWE Shop reached out to me about selling this design on their site, stating that they have received a, quote, record number of requests from fans worldwide. And I said, no. Fans, the same fans that wanted to replace me, I will never forget. God bless Tommaso Ciampa, man. Kayfabe 2018 is running wild on this dude, and I love it. What uh, did you have? Did you happen to have any of the responses from fans uh, when he had posted this? Oh no, no, I didn't. I don't have any in, in the rundown, but I can pull them. Up I was thinking, I'm, you sure pull them up they, I'm sure they're. It, good. It, you know, and, and while while you're pulling those up there, a quick little plug. Uh, to invite everyone that, that listens to Jarko and myself here in the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. If if you're not aware, we do have another show, and that airs on Monday mornings as a part of the Hameen Media Group. Uh, it is known as The Locker Room. Uh, we're there each and every Monday morning. And coming up on this this upcoming show, we, uh, we're going to kind of take you know what we're talking here with, with uh, Jampa, a little bit going back to... Sammy Callahan. We're going to look at you know other ways that through social media and how it can be directly related to programming and storylines, how they can revive a new sense of KFAB in 2018. We're going to dive into that Monday. We're going to go a little bit more in depth about you know how it, it actually it's it's what fans want. It's best business for the talents for the companies and how it can it possibly you know, revive a great deal of interest uh, surrounding, you know, professional wrestling as a whole. We're going to be talking about that Monday mornings in the locker room over in the Hameen Media or uh, Hameen Media. Uh, yeah, the group. Sorry, I was thinking about the discussion group there. Man, you know what? I, I So I'm now on Tommaso Ciampa's Twitter feed. And if you're not following Tommaso Ciampa on Twitter and you're at all interested in this Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa storyline you're missing out uh there's a uh somebody had sent Johnny Gargano a tweet that says I just watched the Johnny Gargano documentary and before watching this he was one of my favorite wrestlers but now definitely the coolest guy out there I respect Johnny and everything he does meeting him one day is definitely on my bucket list and Ciampa replies you are going to be so disappointed what's that saying about don't meet your heroes I mean, just, oh man, there's another one just ripping on the NXT audience. Uh, here's another one, Johnny Gargano. Uh, there's something very poetic about the fact that I'll be finishing up my NXT obligations where my pro wrestling journey began the Midwest, including a very special show in my hometown on Friday night. See you this weekend. And Ciampa replies, can you imagine explaining to your wife that you lost your dream job because of your pride and ego outgrew your talent? She must be so disappointed. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. God bless kayfabe. So, so now I'm going to, I'm going to look through here. No tears on my pillow. God damn it. Personally, I think you should get a good title run. I like this new Tommaso Ciampa. Absolutely savage. Where the fuck has this guy been? The Sicilian psychopath has been around for a while, man. Greatest heel in wrestling today. You are not replaceable. Johnny should be on a shirt. Oh, man. yeah, I, I, I love this stuff. I love this stuff. 
I'm an absolute mark for Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. And, and you know, I wonder sometimes, is it just me because I was at TakeOver Chicago? But this has got to be one of the best stories in pro wrestling for 2018. Uh, yeah, I, I actually, I think, I, and we're just getting going with it is the best part. I, I put it right there as a close number two. I'm not sure how close, but you know, I'll give them. A, I'll say it's right there, a close number two with what we've got developing with uh, Bullet Club. I don't know, man. There, there's something about that that uh, there's a GIF image floating around. Oh my gosh, you're right. Some of these freaking comments are great. Um, that there's something to be said for the intricacies that are going on inside of this storyline, because they obviously had this thing planned out for a while. Well, and you know, it's, it's, it's such, it's such a crazy concept, isn't it? I mean, this, they're not like rewriting, you know, it's not like they're, they're splitting the atom or anything here. This is a simple story that's being told. But when you get down to the, when you can make it very real and personal, and uh, others on the outside can can relate to a situation, it's an, it's just crazy how intensified it can can become. It, it's it's a simple story that they're telling here. That image of Tommaso Ciampa waving goodbye at Johnny Gargano. I'm going to use that gif forever. Because he just looks so stone-faced. Waving goodbye. Oh, it's fantastic stuff. I mean, it's Get in a, on this story. It's a great story of betrayal and dissension uh, amongst those that were, were, were friends and brothers. We're almost a year in the making now. We're coming up on a year. Uh, so let's talk about Neville. We have some Neville news. Evidently, there is a, a new pitch for Neville to return to 205 Live. Um, I hadn't even really thought about this possibility for a while now, Rick, but now with Triple H taking over 205 Live and the obvious format change that the show has underwent, do you think Neville might be a bit more uh, intrigued to come back at this point? I could see where he would entertain the idea. You know, you know, the, the most success uh, where he was at his real peak within the company, you know, it was his time as NXT champion. Tremendous, yeah. tremendous run there. So if there's anyone that's good, it's going to be able to at least grab one of those big old ears of his and get him to at least sit down and, and consider it. It's got to be Triple H, correct? Oh, you would think. You would think. Um, I, and, and this kind of brings me into the next point that I wanted to make here. <clears throat> I can think of 400 million reasons why not to bring Neville back, though. Well, I, I was going to say that I actually hope that he holds to his guns and says, you know what, guys, still, I know you're doing some great things there with 205. I, I wish you the best of luck and everything. But I hope he sticks to his guns and says, hey, man, it's still not for me. I want something else. I think the guy... Has has the talent. He has proven through his character work there that he can handle a bigger platform. I think he he's he's set for bigger and better things. I will go back and reference something I thought was pretty damn entertaining. I, I can't recall if it was in Friday's 
addition of the locker room with Ben Hamid and Stevie Richards, or even going back to when Ben and Stevie were on with Russo for the SmackDown Raw review show. But Stevie was talking, you know, maybe Stevie or Ben, going back and forth on this thing. You look at guys like Neville and even like Tony Nese or Tony Ness, who looks more like they would be a threat and a challenge to someone like AJ Styles? Those two or Sammy and Kevin Owens? Yeah. Yeah. That's it, it, it's all about superstar perception. Oh, I know what it was. It, it went back to, you know, you've got all these, when you, def, when you put a label on them like this 205 or a cruiserweight, you and I have talked about this. This label is what's holding them back. They need to break away from this thing. They've got those guys under this label. And what brought it up in their conversation is there was a time where Vince almost laughed at Stevie Richards and said, dude, you're way too small to be my intercontinental champion. Yeah. Yeah. And like, Stevie's like, way bigger than these guys. Well, like laughed way at, bigger. Yeah. Laughed at the, the notion that, that he could, you know, that, that Stevie would be like, you really think you're going to be one of our champs? But now you've got guys. Hell, you know, and AJ Styles isn't that big of a dude. Uh, you got Finn Balor, who was just in a, an elimination chamber match to go on to potentially face Brock Lesnar. I mean, hell, he was your first universal champion. You, it, you've got more of these stars coming up. You go to an NXT show. Those guys aren't even 220 soaking wet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, we've talked about that. I mean, even Alistair Black. Like, my my fear is he's 205 live bound. Well, but if, you, if, you, if you're going to go that way, though, but physique, though, and I guess that superstar stature, guys like Neville have it. You, you put Neville out there against some of these bigger guys, these, heavy, these true heavyweights, and then... Hey, especially if you're going to, I know we're going to jump over here to Fox, but we'll just use this as the, a little transition for you here. If I'm, you know, I'm all these new eyes coming in and more of a casual throwback, I'm looking at Neville as more of a, oh, damn, that guy is Jack, man. He, he might be able to do something here over Sammy Zane, who just looks like the Uber driver who brought, who dropped off my dinner that night. What, uh, what, what, let's, uh, let's actually go back a little bit further then. Uh, be, being a Ohio boy, how do you feel about Johnny Gargano? Do you see potential for Johnny Gargano on the main roster, or are you in that he's just too goddamn small camp? He, If he's going to get there, it needs to be a very slow burn. He needs to come through the 205 ranks, set that, set that division on fire, for two years minimum let people really get behind there to me the build has to be something along the lines of you know an eddie guerrero ray mysterio chris jericho wow johnny gargano is only 30 years old there's plenty of time with him i i actually thought he was a little bit older than that and the trick i think you do run into though when you and this isn't necessary for for everyone. What you got him up here? What what is his stats? What's his height and weight? Well, I actually had just went off of it. He is five foot ten, one hundred and ninety nine pounds. So he's basically Balor sized, almost to a T. 
okay, Balor size to a T, but he does have some tangibles that, that Balor seems to be missing where, you know, Johnny is a relatable individual. You know, just by looking yeah. at him, you can kind of tell, and, you know, he is for a lot of that, your, your core fans, man, he's Mr. He's mid, he's a Midwest kid who's worked his butt off for his dream. Yeah. He's, he's Johnny freaking wrestling. Uh, you know, it's, and maybe as he gets, you know, he's at 30 years old. And I, I would really love to know, you know, to go back and look at some of the names. Uh, like I just put like for a comparison here, a Chris Jericho, who actually, one of my worries was, even if you do that slow burn, where a Rey Mysterio, where when you do have that big shot with him, it's a very, very small window. Yeah, because that was the thing with Ray was, I mean, Ray got over, but Ray started so early that by the time he finally became a heavyweight, he still had plenty of time here. Um, it, it's crazy to me that Johnny Gargano has been wrestling since 2006. Well, I guess that's 12 years. So, yeah, that would mean that he right. started when he was 18. Yeah, so. he's been in there. So, but, you know, but when Ray got that main event, and he's it that, wasn't until much later in his well, career. Well, I'm saying, but even when you do get there, and it's okay to even when he, he's got to go through the cruiser weight, then he comes in and and maybe does some tag stuff. He's going to have some struggles, he, and he truly does work his way through those mid, lower, and mid card titles. Then maybe, maybe you've got that true underdog, you know, Ray Mysterio, Daniel Bryan's kind of situation. But you know when Ray got there though. It was hard to sustain, you know, the interest because when you've got the gold, it's hard to keep telling the underdog story. But on the flip of that, though, you had someone like Jericho who used a lot of character. He was relatable. Uh, people just gravitated towards him. Uh, incredible in the ring. Who was able to to kind of take everything that you thought of him as a small guy, cruiserweight, and he just continually, even to this day, just evolves who he is as a performer in that ring. Now, Jericho is, is six foot, so a couple inches taller than Johnny. I would have loved to see how much Jericho weighed at 30 years old. You know, now he's built at 227. I guess, you know, you got to – at some point, Johnny's got to start He's definitely on put on some weight, though. Oh, I, I understand that. And you're going to have that over your – but, I, like, I, I would love to see where he went from 30 in weight to when he joined WWE – in wait to when he got into the, you know, the, the main event scene in wait. Uh, let's, let's, let me ask you about the other part of the equation here. Then uh, what about Ciampa? Do you see a future for Tommaso Ciampa on the main roster or is everything kind of wait and see how he comes back? Uh, Ciampa now is 32 years old. He's six foot one and now 206 pounds. <laughs> At least that's what he says. All right, so let's assume that he is floating around that 200, 206 range then, right? Dude, I don't see I don't see any reason you can't pack on 10, 12 more pounds on him at six foot one. That makes him look like a legit player amongst most of the heavyweight division. I guess my biggest fear with Ciampa is, well, his body hold up because Ciampa's had 
some serious injury problems over the course of the you're years. going you're going to have to worry about that though and but he, he definitely will need to adjust a little bit but he doesn't work so much in one of those crazy styles no he works a very methodical style for a cruiserweight right and that's something that can that can translate better into you know especially the red and blue brand sports entertainment style hmm I, I would have thought that Ciampa was a little bit older than that too. He's got he's got an awful lot of gray going in that beard for thirty two years old. He's six one. Yep. All right. So let's say let's let's take him for his word and say he's two oh six and they put ten pounds on him. That would put him at six one, uh, two sixteen. That's what Seth Rollins size. Right, right. Miz is six two two twenty one. Yeah, I, I, I just I, I worry about Ciampa's body. I guess that's that's the only big fear there. He had a bad knee before he tore his ACL. So ho- hopefully the Sicilian psychopath comes back full bore. I, I definitely think there's a place for Tommaso Ciampa. Dude, if this was the price is right, uh, you'd be walking home with uh, with both showcases. Seth Rollins, 6'1", 217. Nice. Nice. Nailed it. Fuck that guy. So let, let, let's talk about 400 million reasons. Um, and, and part of this is going to bleed into the con- the locker room conversation that we're going to have on Monday. And of course, we're, we're referring to this Fox Sports deal that's, that's rumored out there. Uh, supposedly still Fox Sports is willing to pay $400 million for WWE, which... I don't know where people are getting this number from because the last number I heard was like 246. And I've even heard is down to like two and a quarter. Right. Uh, but, but here's the, the aspect I wanted to approach this from today. Uh, right now we know they have 109 talents on the roster. All right. So if, if, if this happens and raw moves to the Fox over the air signal, that's going to be a two hour show. SmackDown is going to be relegated to FS1, which I think is going to absolutely tank their rating. And SmackDown is basically going to become a recap show. Well, essentially probably what you'll get there, it will become more of like your, because that's exactly, I mean, it's pretty much how they treat a lot of their UFC programming right now. Right. Is you're going to get some recaps. It's it's, it's going to go back to a day of, Hey, and they and maybe they come up with you know like a new strategy with it, where it is you know more where they embrace the recap part of it. Uh, but but here's the interesting thing. So so if you're basically going to from five hours of content a week to two hours of content a week, I mean, granted they'll still have the network and everything, but essentially two hours of programming a week. How many unemployed professional wrestlers are there going to be on the market here? Because we don't need 109 talents for two hours a week. I think there, you can come at this with, with a number of different, you know, come at it with a number of different angles, at a number of different angles here. You can expand programming on, on the network. You can offer some different shows there. Like, is, is this how we end up getting, like, our women's show and the UK show and all this other shit 
to fill content for FS1 slash WWE Network. Well, you like know, is, like another well, it's another item too to think about with you know SmackDown. It's would it it would be it's going to become more of a syndicated program, right? Right. Because you'll run into certain markets where, say, on Tuesday night, uh, sorry, you know that game's not going to air because we've got Reds baseball. Right. Well, those overlapped. Let me. I, and I know, like you know, like you said, we're really going to dive in on Monday in the locker room with some of the. The television, like the exact details of television logistics, there, you know, how these things might play out here. Uh, Does FS1 run local teams like that, or is that a different outlet? I'm not sure if FS1 runs anything as far as local market. Or not. I know NBCSN does. I'm not sure if FS1 does or not. Well, I, okay, here's, here's what I'm thinking. Because you actually, you have these different subcategories. I think FS1 still operates as, as like their ESPN flagship. So that is the national. And then you break down into like Fox Sports West. Yeah, Midwest, uh, Fox, Fox, Fox Sports, Sports North. Well, you, well no, because you just got, I don't know, West here. But, like, I know here we have Fox Sports Ohio. And they carry, they've just announced that they are going to carry, uh, for the first time ever, every Cincinnati Reds game. Uh, there's FSN Pittsburgh. There's FSN New Orleans. I get an FSN out of Chicago, and I get an FSN out of Minneapolis. There's also another one for Kansas City. Um, if you're on DirecTV you can actually scroll up into about the 600 numbers and there's listings for all of the Fox sports. It's just a matter of, can you get it in your local area? Okay. So they, they might be able to sustain SmackDown at a regular time on FS one, but you know, there's all this, there's other programming that UFC provides for the substations of Fox sports. They're going to be filling a lot of content here. And I, I think a lot of it is going to end up being SmackDown. I, I think there's, there could be like a lot of the other like older documentaries that we've seen on, on the network that we that they could air things like that. Uh, I think it's, which would I think would be a tremendous move for them to hey you know we got these we've had these older ones that we've aired you want to see some of this new content then come to the network. Especially with the popularity of ESPN doing the 30 for 30, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Fox Sports do something like that. Just to counter the 30 for 30 programming. Oh, I, I agree 100% here. I'm, I'm trying to find the schedule. I think that, you know, they do some programs like that now. Uh, and then you bring in, which could be a great part of this deal, is, you know, WWE, there's a reason they got one. They've got an incredible production uh the production department you've got your own film studio thing going on there there's a lot of very interesting aspects to explore here all the way down to somebody like renee young you could see a, a return of talking smack on fs1 they do run uh they they do run they do have national deals FS1 has national deals with, you know, this time of year, we're here watching a basketball game. They have a Big East deal 
where they run regular, you know, featured Big East games. Uh, if, uh, you're, you're telling me right now you've got, you know, two of the top four teams in the nation. If you've got Villanova squaring off against Xavier on a Tuesday night and that thing is slated for 8 o'clock, SmackDown, you're getting a bump. Yep. Uh, I, I would have to I would have to say that they probably have some kind of deal with Major League Baseball for a national game. So what does that do to the talent? Like how how many talents do you think that they're going to keep? If they have 109 on their roster right now, if they make this move, do they cut that down to 60? I mean, that's 40 unemployed WWE wrestlers. I, I really think you get into what other what else do you have going on in the network? Uh, do you, do you expand NXT? Where maybe so you know some people could go back there. Um, do you create another division or another show? Do you, do you go with this women's thing that's kind of been toyed with? Then to me, if you go that direction, though, how does that change the dynamic of Raw? I mean, is there you know an hour and a half of that program is dedicated towards those featured players, and then another half hour is to putting over the sideshows? Do those sideshows just rotate? a segment a week to try to get themselves a little more, you know, spotlight time. Uh, there's a lot of different dynamics that could, that could come into play here. It's going to be very, very interesting to see how much money exactly they get. Because, you know, when, when we talk about this NBC universal deal and we say, you know, that 264 million, maybe that's for raw and SmackDown. Maybe Fox is interested in paying four hundred million, but that four hundred million includes a whole bunch of other shit we don't even know about yet. That's a possibility too, because like we were saying, UFC fills a lot of content for Fox Sports. All of that becomes WWE programming. That's gonna be a whole lot more than just Raw and SmackDown. But there's not gonna be very much of it that's live. So I'm very interested exactly how this gets spun. Uh, one last thing I wanted to t- kind of talk about here. Uh, we're, we're hearing rumblings that WWE is looking to hold a big event later this year. Uh, if you recall, the Melbourne Cricket Ground has been rumored to be wanting to hold a big WWE event with the idea of bringing in 100,000 fans. Now, Rick, we're hearing this is going to actually happen, and this is going to be in October, right? Uh, that is, from all indications so far, we're getting a, we're getting a lot of great news uh, coming out about this thing here. But it looks like, yeah, they're looking for October. But as of now, I, I know you you know first speculation. You're correct. You know you would think you would think uh, Hell in a Cell, but it does not seem to be the case. Yeah, at first I was like, oh, wow, we're going to do Hell in a Cell Down Under. Like, that's kind of a cool gimmick. But no, that's not going to be the case. So is this going to be a pay-per-view, or is this going to be a a really big, glorified live event, kind of like India was? No, it looks like uh, they want to push forward as this is going to be pay-per-view. This is, I guess that that term just becomes more and more obsolete to me. Uh, This is going to be one of those mega events that kind of gets... Not even just a you know hell in a cell treatment. It looks like this is going to get the fanfare of of like a WrestleMania type atmosphere. Now the thing that I am interested in 
is it would feature top stars. And the three names that are listed here as the top stars, I don't know where this came from. Do, do you? Uh, which you're, I guess you're, you are talking about Ronda, Rey Mysterio, and The Rock, uh, Taker, something like that. Uh, it's it, The three that are listed here is The Undertaker, Rey Mysterio, and John Cena. Now, the last I knew, the only one of those three talents that was around, assuming that he's available and not hosting the Kids' Choice Awards on Nickelodeon, is John Cena. Obviously, we've heard reports about Ray, but nothing. I think some. I, I think a lot of these names, because you have to remember that everything we're getting now, nothing is coming officially from WWE. This is coming out. These are news sources uh, from. Uh, was it the Sun? Maybe that's leading this here. I believe so. I think okay, it was so, the Sun. So it's something coming from them. So Ray is hot. Is hot conversation right now for WWE. Uh, you know, they want to bring him back for some big events, some big draws, things like that. So, I mean, that very well could be where his name came from. You, you are right, though. That does, anytime you see, you know, especially a name thrown in from someone who doesn't make regular appearances or is completely not, is not with the company right now, uh, you, you do have to, you know, question the legitimacy of it. But, I am doing my damnedest here to find the story in the group, but as always, you know, whenever you goddamn Facebook algorithms, you know, when you when you want something right there, it's not going to happen for you. I guarantee us, you know, as soon as we end the show here and we hang up, it's going to be the one that keeps popping up uh, because there's been some great information that that was there's put been out a ton there. of information about this coming out today. I'm sure that we'll be talking about this more as it. Well, I, I know closer. Here. I know again, you know, this is one of those crossover topics. Uh, I'm sure we'll touch a little bit on Monday in the locker room about it. But, I, you know, just kind of going off top of my head with this thing, you know, they, they want to they, they're going to they're going to do an access with this. So, you know, it's going to have the big meet and greet. NXT is going to be involved. They're going to do a takeover down under. It's going to be linked with with this big event. Uh, and the goal is, I, I guess, with the arena there. You know, with all depending on setup, you know, it's going to be anywhere from 100 to 120,000 that they're going to be able to seat this thing. And I think the interesting thing here is the big connection to this arena is the last big fight that was held there was one of Rousey's fights. And it seems to me that she drew about 60,000 people down there. So maybe this is the crown jewel for Ronda Rousey. This is where she finally wins a title. Maybe that's the direction they're going here. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I can see something along this. <coughs> Excuse me there. See I think that's where you were getting there. the Rousey name from. I, I've seen I, I've seen her name thrown in there, you know, that they, they want her to be a big part of this. Uh, it makes sense. I didn't, when I read that, I didn't exactly link together, you know, oh, hey, uh, this is this was her last big fight there, or, you know, that last event there was her fight. But it seemed to me that was only about 50, 60,000 people. You know, it's it also what's kind of funny to me is you see a number and the timing of this thing would be, you know, roughly a month after the other big hype is, hey, let's get 10,000 people. 
Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah? Well, we're going to be on – we're actually going international and going over 100,000. I also saw that WWE – Marvin Bagley the third. my God. Uh, I, I also just recently saw that WWE announced – that uh, they're going to be going back to Japan. I'm very curious to see. I'm always curious to see how WWE goes over inside of Japan. That's always entertaining to me. Rick, I think I think we may hang on to win this game. We may hang on. We, we are under a minute left in the game, ladies and gentlemen. Up by eight. 72, 64 devils. Hold on. You never, it's never over here. You know, the things can change so fast. Of course, you know, one minute left in a basketball game is actually about, you know, the equivalency of a half hour, 45 minutes. Grayson Allen with the steal, of course, because it's senior night at Cameron. And they follow, or they foul Grayson Allen, one of the best free throw shooters in the history of college basketball. I think he's got an average right around 90% for his career. Uh, Rick, anything else that you wanted to talk about when it comes to professional wrestling before we close this show out and close out the Tar Heels? All right, well, you know one, you know one more thing just to touch on uh, the big news. We're gonna be we're gonna be diving a little bit more into some of the logistics of of what's going on with this you know potential show in Australia. We're, we're gonna be touching that on Monday, but a major suck it to James Money MacGyver. Who's already taking uh, taking to the internet to to bash this potential decision to go Australia? Because over in the UK, they've they've been pleading and begging for how long for a WrestleMania, and now they're going to actually going to go do a, another pay per view in another country. And, and my reply to him there, and I love this man. My reply to him: This doesn't sound like a WWE shafting the UK thing. This sounds like a UK, once again, couldn't get the deal done problem. Are you saying that the UK screwed the UK? Yes. So that's going to do it for this episode. Rick and I will be back in the locker room this Monday over at hackerhameen.podbean.com, breaking down all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. We're really going to jump into this Fox WWE deal with some detail. Like Rick was saying, we're going to talk about this Australia thing. Uh, for now, please visit our friends Michael and Ryan over at thegorillaposition.com as they tell the stories of professional wrestling storytellers. Be sure to subscribe to Hameen Media over at hackerhameen.podbean.com so you never miss all of the of this platform's awesome content and of course subscribe to our show too if you're hearing this and not subscribed uh by the way tipton high school i'm putting you on notice i'm putting you on notice i know you're listening to me now uh so you can find our show on twitter at htmpwpod on facebook at hitting the marks shoot us an email at hitting the marks at gmail.com as always you can find me across all social media platforms even instagram now i'm actually trying to use that at not jargo rbv how do the tar heel fans send you hate mail after we win this game it's funny that, that you have mentioned that you are making an attempt to to get up and in touch with your instagram account uh, I actually was thinking about this myself earlier. I am going to make it a priority to at least send out one tweet a day. Uh, I keep forgetting that it's even there. I guess all the hip kids are over there on Twitter. So I'm going to try to get on board with what's going on over there. Actually, it is my, it is actually, my goal for March. 
the hip kids are now on a new social media platform called Vero. V-E-R-O. Vero. Okay, I, I will see you on Vero in August. I'm already there. I'm already there. Look me up. At Nat Jargo. Diesel, Pete. Anyway, all right. My old ass is still on Twitter. I'm going to finally get up to speed with that. You can find me at The Real RBV. You can also find me on Facebook at The Real RBV. You can chat it up with me every day over on the Hameen Media Discussion Group on Facebook. Like you said, check out our friends over at thegrillaposition.com. I'm looking forward to, uh, to, to reconnecting with everyone Monday in the locker room. You know, there's a, there's a genuine happiness on Grayson Allen's face as he walks off of the court of Cameron for the very last time. And there it is. Defeating the hated bastards that are the North Carolina Tar Heels. Go Devils. We're off to March Madness. And we gonna win this motherfucker. For now, we are off like a prom dress. See ya! Watch your fingers. Enable me. Don't give up. You bad guy! Stop! Stop! Go! Violet!